0: I'm walking. (laughs) Welcome to AT Banter, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything regarding the
1: world of assistive technology with our hosts, Steve Barkley, Rob Minow, and Ryan Fleury. Now, let's banter.
0: So, uh, welcome everybody to AT Banter, another week of AT talk and general nonsense. And fun, and frivolity. And banter. And banter. Right, of course, banter. Banter is our specialty. How are you guys doing? I am most excellent. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, I'm still getting over this cold. It's taken forever to get rid of the cough, I find. Yeah. Well, we need some warmer weather. That'll help. Yeah, it's coming. Give it a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's supposed to be very nice next week.
1: So it's supposed to rain the rest of the week, but yeah. Well, that's good because I just planted uh, grass seed uh, a few weeks ago and uh, it is growing like mad right now. So it's all good. Excellent.
0: Well, it'll go yellow by, by August, I'm sure. I hope not. Because with the watering restrictions that they have every year, right? I don't even know why people bother planting grass.
1: There, there's actually an um, uh, uh, exception to that water restriction if you are watering new grass. Oh, really? There is. Mm. New grass. New grass. Hmm. So, what do they consider new? Is it like what two weeks
0: old, three weeks old? Like what newborn grass? Like I, do you, I don't know. I
1: think it's if the if you've laid grass. if you've laid new sod or if you've uh, reseeded. I believe you can uh, bypass the watering restrictions uh, until the grass is established.
0: I see. So until it's ready to go out to college.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's in kindergarten. <laughs> still still playing with paint. <laughs> uh,
0: great. Well, uh, we should uh, start things off with a couple uh, little announcements. Um, mainly, we should probably just thank Carrie for uh, her for last, last
1: week's episode. Yeah. And being fabulous. Yes, she was great. Yeah, it was good to talk to her again. Carrie joined us for the topic of universal design and taught us all kinds of things about universal design.
0: That's right. And we taught her a lot about disabled
2: superheroes. (laughs) A little little bit. More than I think she wanted to know. (laughs) Oh, yes. Well, more than you wanted to know. You're just just not into nerd culture. That's right. I'll admit that.
0: Yeah. Well, just remember, that's how I'm going to feel on that episode that we talk about
2: sports. So
1: yeah no, so we're true. we're doing a sports episode yeah, yeah you guys talk you oh, guys that's planned right it out yeah that's I right to Mike law again oh,
2: between the summer games and the Paralympic Games we're gonna have Mike and maybe Carrie back to discuss Paralympics and fantastic sports and, yeah yay, sports
0: go sports you heard it you heard it right from Rob that's right Go sports go sports uh well, this week, however. Um we're going to talk a little bit about dementia. Uh
1: dementia is something that's hit my family a couple times. Um my grandmother died with uh, Alzheimer's disease and uh my father uh, passed away with dementia as well. Not didn't die from dementia but uh, passed away with dementia. Um and it can have a pretty devastating effect on families when uh, when dementia strikes.
0: Well, absolutely, and you know we're all we're all on the same train, and we're all heading heading in that direction. So, did you watch the documentary
2: on Glenn Campbell? No, I did not. Very, very well done. Is is that something that he yeah. came down with? Yeah. And the thing that's really keeping him going is he's forgotten a lot of who his family members are, but you put a guitar in his hands, and he can play every song he's ever played. He remembers the lyrics to all of his songs. Music is really really probably um, delayed the progression of the Alzheimer's. It's really
0: interesting. Well, yeah, and funnily enough, we're going to be talking about something similar to that in terms of of music and dementia uh, a little later on. But yeah, it's pretty amazing. Obviously, music activates some part of the brain that bypasses the dementia or... You know, touches that touches that that part. I mean, they still have to figure this some of this stuff out, right? They're still doing a lot of research on it. But
1: oh yeah, there's there's tons of tons of research being done, and some really interesting breakthroughs that are happening in uh, dementia research right now. Um, you know, we've. Because of our involvement with um, physical disabilities and learning disabilities over the years, we've seen all kinds of people with uh, various uh, conditions that have affected brain function, from uh, traumatic brain injury through to uh, stroke and and other things like that. And it's very interesting some of the weird things that you discover when you're you're dealing with uh, populations like that. Um, I think of one example of a, of a fellow who had a stroke and we were trying to set him up with a communication aid so that he could communicate with his family. Uh, as it was, he had pretty much, he, he was able to gesture um, and he could get a few words out, but, but not many. And uh, when I met him, he had two daughters. One was on either side of him, And every time he tried to say something... They would start making guesses at what he what it was he was trying to say. And they were just all over the place. So he would he would say, Um, you want pickles? Oh, you want to open the door? You want to leave? You want to go for a walk? You wanna you wanna go for a car ride? You want to go see the doctor? And they were just bombarding him left, right, and center. And as this went on, he got more and more frustrated. And all of a sudden, he just goes, Shh. And it surprised all of us, but, um, it was clear as day. And I mentioned it to a doctor, uh, the, the experience and apparently cursing is handled in a completely different part of the brain than most of the rest of language. So you have little pockets of things around your brain, little, little compartmentalized pieces of it. Um, and, uh, um, you know, there's obviously some overlap, but, uh, but it's interesting how, you know, what affects one part of the brain may not affect another.
0: Well, I remember you, you telling me a story early on when I first started about, um, a woman who, I guess she had some sort of condition where if you, uh, asked her a question,
1: it would somehow affect her, her, um, motor abilities, right? Right. Yeah. If, if, It was, it was very strange and she, she was very patient in explaining it to me, um, so that I could deal with her better without causing her problems. Um, but if you, if you phrased something as a question, um, it, it could potentially make her fall over. Um, it, it just really messed with her equilibrium. And, uh, so you had to, instead of asking a question, you had to phrase things as statements. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example of it. I was, I was quite well practiced at it at one point, but, uh, um, at any rate, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, um, it was just some weird interlinkage in her brain that when she got asked a question, um, it, it affected her motor ability.
0: Right. And it just, it came, it just, it just shows you that. You know, there's so much about the brain and how it works and how it functions and how it links in with with everything that's going on in our bodies that we don't understand yet.
2: Well, and Alzheimer's and dementia, you know, affect people differently. Not, you know, every two people have the same symptoms, nor does it come on at the same time, I as mean, the studies have shown.
1: So the the dictionary definition of dementia is a chronic or persistent disorder of the mental processes caused by brain disease or injury and marked by mental disorders, personality changes and impaired reasoning. Now, according to the uh, Alzheimer's Association, uh, ALZ.org. Dementia is not a specific disease. It's an overall term that describes a wide range of symptoms associated with a decline in memory or other thinking skills severe enough to reduce a person's ability to perform everyday activities. Alzheimer's disease accounts for 60 to 80 percent of cases. Vascular dementia, which occurs after a stroke, is the second most common dementia type, but there are many other conditions that can cause symptoms of dementia, including some that are reversible, such as thyroid problems and vitamin deficiencies. Dementia is often incorrectly referred to as senility or senile dementia, which reflects the formerly widespread but incorrect belief that serious mental decline is a normal part of aging.
0: So it sounds like dementia can be... Basically, you could come as, as a result of a of a brain injury, not not just age,
1: right? Absolutely, and and what uh, what I think they are trying to point out here is that, you know, we we and medical professionals used to just think, oh, well, you know, Dad's getting senile because he's getting old, but senility, dementia, uh, you know that that isn't normal. It's a, it's a condition, and it's something that should be treatable. Um, and may ultimately be curable, right? Well,
2: I think it's only been in the last few years too that you know more and more people are becoming aware of what Alzheimer's or dementia is, and how to better deal with those living with it.
0: Well, like they say, you know, the, the population is aging, um, you know, and we have more, you know, all the baby boomers, you know, are are hitting that age, and so more and more. I think it's pretty rare that, you know, you don't know somebody who is dealing with somebody with dementia, right? Like, you know, I I know somebody, you know, Steve, obviously you've gone through it. Um, It's, you know, it's pretty common these days.
1: Yeah, in in terms of um, better understanding of what causes it, there's a very interesting article, uh, which we can link to the show notes uh, from the Daily Mail, in, uh, in the UK uh, that talks about um, a uh, Israeli group, uh, the Technion Israel Institute of Technology, um, who uh, has had a bit of a breakthrough in terms of discovering one of the mechanisms behind Alzheimer's. Um, they've discovered that um, uh, an accumulation of protein plaques in the brain um, is, is at least in part uh, one of the causes of, of Alzheimer's. And uh, there's a, um, a cellular process that our, our bodies all go through where our um, our cells essentially check proteins in the body to make sure that they are um, correctly assembled. And when they're not correctly assembled, these damaged proteins are basically picked up uh, and uh, disassembled into their component parts and y- used in other ways. Um, people with Alzheimer's, uh, the uh, there, there's a mutation which impairs a protein called uh, ubiquiquitin. I believe it's called ubi Ubiquitin sounds, sounds like a Jedi. It could be. And um, the uh, the people who have this mutation, um, those proteins start to accumulate. And they uh, they basically form on the brain like like plaque and uh, impair um, impair mental function. Really? So the this is still early research, but the speculation from this research is that uh, one day uh, we may be able to just have a pill that you take and it um, fixes that wee little problem and your Alzheimer's just goes away.
0: Wow, and so there's something to the notion of mental floss then.
1: Like, <laughs> there you go, yeah. With, with plaque <laughs> on the brain,
0: right?
2: Well, it's interesting too because, you know, not dementia or Alzheimer's specific, but, you know, I, I have an uncle-in-law who's had trouble with his blood sugars and diabetes for years and years and years. And he finally saw a doctor said, well, why are you on this, 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 and this medication? He says, well, that's what my doctor told me to take. He took him off all that medication, put him on one different type of medication, and his blood sugars are now in check and have been for a number of years. So I can see a day where a pill is all we're going to need.
0: Hopefully, we can we can all pray for that because I don't know I don't know about you guys, but well, I do know about you guys. But you know, we're we're creeping up there. You know, if they don't fix this in the next twenty years, we could be in trouble, right? No, you guys are creeping up there. I'm still
1: twenty nine. Whatever. I'm 18. Should should we talk about the uh, Japanese dementia crisis?
0: Yeah. That's, a, that's an
1: interesting, interesting it, story.
0: It, it is an interesting story. I was pretty shocked uh, when I came across it, you know, doing the show research of just how bad things are in Japan in terms of in terms of um, what they're going through and their, their dementia numbers.
1: I ran across a statistic um, that I found was fairly alarming for uh, c- dementia in Canada, uh, and they were saying that uh, there are approximately, well, I don't remember the exact number, but it was over 700,000 people living with dementia in Canada right now. That's a whole lot of folks. That is. I think
0: I, I read the same the same article and they said it was about fifteen percent of all Canadians
1: that are over sixty five are are dealing with it. That's that's a pretty big number. And and it explains why the conservatives keep getting elected.
2: <laughs> oh he said to so throw politics. I name, do, Steve. yes.
1: <laughs> politics talk with Steve Barkley. <laughs> the big commie bugger. <laughs>
0: This article was saying that the um, the national police agency said that twelve thousand people were reported missing in twenty fifteen um, that had dementia. Like people are just wandering off into the woods um, on a on a daily basis, and uh, four hundred and seventy nine of those people were found dead. Um, that's a that's a huge problem,
1: and and one hundred and fifty have yet to be located.
0: Yeah, that's right. So I'm, you know, they're out there somewhere. You know, they're certainly not working at a convenience store. They're probably not doing too well either. Well, and
2: that happens here too. You know, you'll be watching the news and you hear about people walking away from their homes. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's frightening. I mean, you know, as as a, a person who's had a family that's that's gone through this, um, you know, the the quality of care for for somebody with dementia is really critical. Um, you know, they and and it it varies from person to person you know one one person might not be prone to wandering whereas another might but um, you you really need to make sure that you have appropriate care for anyone with dementia just to make sure that they don't wander away or you know harm themselves in some way you know maybe you know turn the stove on and forget to turn it off or mm-hmm. you know there's all kinds of things that can go wrong when people's mental faculties are impaired
0: And I mean, the real surprising number is the the article goes on to talk about just how many people in Japan are affected. And they're saying that 4.6 million people um, with the number forecast to go up to 7 million uh, by 2025. And that's that's one in five people over the age of 65 that are affected in Japan. And that's that's around 20 percent. So certainly things are even worse over there than they are here.
1: And I guess that's probably a function of our of our baby boomer population as well. You know, we're getting a huge uh, influx of people that are hitting that age of sixty five plus, and uh, um, you know, with this being a a major issue, um, it's a it's a large segment of our population. So something that we have to address and plan for.
2: Yeah, some people say there's about ten thousand people a day that are turning sixty five. That's a lot of people.
1: It's a lot that of is. birthday cake.
2: <laughs> that's right.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, Japan, uh, you know, looks like they're trying to, you know, get ahead of the crisis and they're, they're looking at ways on how they can improve cognitive function in the elderly.
1: Everything from fitness programs to, uh, you know, crossword and puzzle books. Um, Another, another interesting uh, statistic that you pulled up in the research notes was uh, that um, as of 2015, 47.5 million people worldwide are living with dementia or more than the total population of Canada.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. Like there's, you can, we can make a
1: whole country full of people who have dementia. Well, if you've been watching the US election cycle,
0: see, I opened the door for <laughs> him, folks. I opened the door. <laughs> Back to politics again. I,
1: <laughs> call me bastard. I,
0: I set that one up for him just for you folks because I knew he, he couldn't he couldn't resist. <laughs> well, let's talk about let's talk a little bit about this this article then about University of Toronto. Go Leafs. Yeah.
1: They're they're, they're trying to determine dementia based on language processing.
0: Right, so they're trying to, you know, have some sort of a early detection system, right?
1: Yeah, so the idea is that by by uh, listening to speech samples of people, um, they believe that they can detect if somebody is experiencing dementia.
0: They say it has about an 81% accuracy, the prototype, and, and it kind of works just in the sense of uh, people who are in the early stages of dementia might interpret things like pictures or use pronouns a little differently than somebody who isn't, and then the program has some sort of an algorithm that will um, take those voice samples and try to give a percentage of
2: and the cognitive ability.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and what the chances of that of that person actually, you know, developing dementia could be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the, the example they use in the article is uh, um, people using uh, pronouns instead of specific nouns. So they might say things like, she is watching, washing the dishes instead of the mother is washing the dishes. Um, and if they're interpreting images, uh, you might have um, a picture of, uh, well, they, they, they have a picture called the cookie theft image where there's a woman in a kitchen, an overflowing sink and kids reaching up to steal cookies. Um, someone with an impairment might notice a kid on a stool, but then not take the next step to point out that the son is trying to steal cookies. Or they'll comment on the overflowing sink, but not the woman failing to notice it.
0: There's a lot of research going on at all ends of dementia. It seems like you know this certainly doesn't isn't going to help in terms of curing it, but um, it it could you know end up being valuable a valuable diagnostic tool.
1: Well, I mean, any anytime you have an aging parent, um, you know, I, I, and and again, I've I've been through this. Um, you have to determine, okay, are are they safe in their home? And when it comes to dementia, um, oftentimes it's not consistent. Um, it can be situational, and you know you. You worry uh, about your parents and you worry about their ability to function on their own. And, and you go, oh, well, you know, sure, dad left, left the toaster oven on last week, but, uh, you know, most of the time he's fine. But yeah, you kind of have that denial stage that, you know, your parents
2: are getting to that point.
1: Yeah. But there, there really isn't, uh, uh, oftentimes there isn't a good, um, diagnostic tool that you can use to determine for sure if, if they do or do not have dementia. You know, I, I think of, um, a time that I went into the hospital with my son as he was presenting with diabetes and, and, uh, um, he was acting really wacky at home. Like he was just completely out of it. He was hallucinating and I got him to the, uh, hospital. And by the time I got him to the hospital, um, I guess there'd been enough stimulus that um, he had sort of come around. So when we first started dealing with people at the hospital, they didn't really see what I had seen at home because he was alert. Right. Um, and the same is true of people with dementia. Uh, you know, it can be situational in their home. They might be relaxed and, you know, maybe their, their thinking gets a little lazier than if they're engaged and out in public. It, it can make it difficult to, to have that, uh, that clear diagnosis.
2: Well, I think anything, too, that can help us with early detection of any disease is a huge asset. You know, so this natural linguistics, you know, can only help.
1: Uh,
0: let's dive into sort of the, the more meteor stuff for today, which um, was this idea of using music to um, help uh, deal with dementia. Um, doing the research, you know, I was kind of, I was kind of surprised at just how um, big a difference music can have with people. Um, there's a, there's a, was a documentary a few years ago called Alive Inside that uh, that screened um, and actually won at the 2014 Sundance uh, Film Festival. It won the Audience Award. That's right. So, audience favorite, but yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't seen the movie. Uh, it sounds really interesting. Again, we'll link to the to the um, the movie's website in the show notes. But um, music and and um, and dementia, um, it can really have a striking impact.
1: Well, I did. I did watch uh, snippets of uh, of Alive Inside, and uh, they showed patients who were essentially. Uh, essentially locked in you know they weren't responsive to uh to external stimuli and uh when they were given music uh and and let listen to music they they slowly started to uh come out of their shell and become more responsive and uh it, it really does show that um you know music is somewhere really coded in the back of our brain it's it's uh you know something that um, has a powerful influence on us and uh, can uh, reawaken cognitive function.
0: Yeah, that I know the clip you're talking about, and uh, we'll definitely link that in the show notes. And in fact, anyone who has any interest in this at all, like, stop the podcast right now and just go watch this um, this clip on YouTube. It's it's incredible to see this um, this guy that that was essentially non-responsive and the the difference that it makes when they put on that pair of headphones and start playing music and you know it's music that means something to them you know it's it's not you know they're not throwing they're not taking an 85 year old and throwing some Beyonce on there and and he's reacting to it you know it, it's it's and that's what we're talking about when we talk about personalized playlists it's music that you know it's from from their childhood
1: or you know, their, their you life, know, their experience.
0: Right, right. So, but the difference in this man is incredible. The guy's eyes literally open wide, are completely, it's, it really is
2: like he's coming alive again. And there's a lot of different studies out there that show the power music has on your overall health. You know, if you go to com, there's... Tons of articles on that website that talk about the power of music, whether it's for meditation, whether it's music therapy, whether it's, you know, unwinding at the end of a day, music has a very powerful effect on all of us. It doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah, and I don't think
0: that they really, you know, that that can't be overstated enough. Like, they, we really don't understand. There's something about music that really, really is linked to the human experience that that we really respond to on a level that I don't think we understand yet.
1: I think back to, um, you know, years ago, I haven't heard it recently, but years ago, there was a lot of work being done on, um, uh, cognitive development, uh, and, uh, and music. And do you guys remember when everybody was being told to play, play Mozart to your baby? Yeah, that's right. Yep. And, and I guess they still do. I just don't have babies anymore, but uh, they probably still do the same thing. Um, and uh, I also remember uh, a news story from way back when where uh, I think it was a high school kid did a did a uh, study, just a, a small study. And, and it's probably not scientifically valid, but it was entertaining anyway. So I'm going to talk about it. Um and basically took two groups of people and played classical music to one of them and played heavy metal to the other one. And uh, they uh, they did tests to see or was it was it people or was it animals? It might have been rats or something. I can't remember. This is all very vague. I should probably go and Google it. Is uh, is
0: is this going to come out where basically the heavy metal people turn into Republicans and the uh, classical music people turn into Democrats? No,
1: no. But the uh, heavy metal people or the heavy metal animals, uh, one or the other, uh, definitely performed worse than the ones that were experiencing classical music.
2: Well, I don't know. Like, If you have ever tried it yourself, but if you put on some really, really heavy metal music, I get tense after a few minutes of listening to it. My body seems to tighten up. If I listen to something else that I enjoy, whether it's eighties, seventies, sixties, whatever, I start to relax and unwind and feel loosened up. It's, it's amazing what music does. It's true. So are you saying you're not a, a
0: big caninus fan? A uh-huh. who? A caninus? Is that said that- no? death metal group that has a pit bull as the lead singer oh that group yeah (laughs) no
2: no not a big fan (laughs) no no slipknot for ryan that's right no exactly i'll listen to it once in a while but it's not my genre of choice
1: now we're going to get hate mail from heavy heavy metal (laughs) fans pretty much yeah the more mail the better yeah um, so just before we uh, leave the Alive Inside uh, uh, discussion, I want to mention that, that since they uh, did this documentary, they have uh, founded a f- created a foundation, the Alive Inside Foundation. Uh, the mission, uh, the Alive Inside Foundation, is a nonprofit dedicated to expanding human connection and cultivating empathy through the power of music and film inspire and empower meaningful shared experiences that bring the generations together awaken memories and spark wisdom and aliveness
0: yeah and there's a you know there's another foundation that i that i also came across called the music and memory foundation um, that's very similar to to what the alive inside guy the, the alive inside guy foundation and it's it's mainly down in the states but um, the other thing that they're sort of multi multifaceted in the in the sense that they're really just trying to improve the elderly care experience across the board so they're doing things like they're pairing um, high school students with seniors and having you know high school students come and visit the seniors and and experience the music together and sort of form a bond and and to give, the, the seniors that social aspect as well so they're doing a, a variety of different things um, this music and memory foundation is a is another nonprofit that's down there that um, is more sort of streamlined in terms of they they're really just trying to get um, iPods and music players into the uh, different uh, care homes um, and training staff on how to how to make customized playlists for their for their patients. So, unfortunately, I don't know of anything like that here
1: in Canada. I don't know of a foundation like that here in Canada.
0: But but really, I mean, clearly, I mean, you, you just watch the, you know, you watch the clips from the, the documentary even without seeing the documentary. I think it's pretty clear that this is something that a lot of these homes should be looking at. I mean, they should just have, it should be just standard uh, equipment that there's, a, there's an iPod in, you know, attached to every resident
2: that they can they can load, you know, music onto for them. Problem with that, though, is you know, iPods can be too technical for some people. If they're late onset dementia or Alzheimer's, they may not understand
1: how to use the device. Worse yet, to load them, you have to use iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> Yank. <Yuck. laughs> Gross. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, and funnily enough, that that is an interesting segue to talk about um, the Simple Music Player, right?
2: Yeah, the Simple Music Player is a device that was developed um, in cooperation with the Bath Institute. And um, basically is designed for people with Alzheimer's and dementia. There are very um, few controls on the device to play and stop music, you lift the lid to forward a song. If you want, you press the big button inside the lid
1: and that's all there is to it. And to stop the music, you close the lid. Exactly.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can, I can see how, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like having an iPod or something with a resident, you, you're always going to need somebody, a caretaker to operate it for them. I mean, you even see that in, in the, um, on the clip, right? Like he, there's somebody who's there they have to put the headphones on them they have to you know start the music with something like this that's literally all you have to do is open the lid and it starts playing the music you close the lid and it stops and we you open the lid again it starts right from where it left off um
2: you know something like that the senior could operate himself they can they you know you still probably want somebody to load music uh, Playlists on that are appropriate for the patient,
1: but um, but that part's simple. I mean, is, that that's just a matter of plugging in a USB stick and or a USB uh, cord and dragging and dropping files to it. Right. So you can you can rip whatever music you want, throw it onto the thing, just like you would throw it onto a hard drive. And from that point forward, playing is just lifting lifting the lid. Exactly
0: yeah and that's the important part anyways you, you just want the the end user experience to to just be as simple as it can possibly be right yeah, yeah.
1: there there's also there's there's no volume control on the on the uh, player that the uh, that the user can get to. Um, you you have a little control on the bottom part of it that you've got to insert a uh, um, insert something into to press the button. Um, so you preset the volume to make sure that it's at an appropriate level for the uh, the environment that they're in. So if they're in a, you know, a, a, a hospital type of environment, you can keep it low so you don't disturb other patients.
2: Well, the nice thing, too, about the volume controls is that even if they do press the button, it actually doesn't do anything. You have to press and hold it for five seconds before the volume actually
1: kicks in. That would explain why I had difficulty controlling the volume on it the last time I was, I I wasn't doing that. That's why you call Ryan. I I should have read the instructions.
0: (laughs) But it's one of these things where it's just, it's so simple that you just wonder
2: why this wasn't developed earlier. Well, again, I think it comes down to education and awareness. You know, the only way we found out about the music player was a lot of searching online, looking for music products.
0: Yeah, well, and I think that you know, once again, you know, this it ties back to what we were talking about a few weeks ago, in terms of AT in general. More and more, there's more and more demand for things like this that that aid people in with different disabilities. So, you know, it's creating a need for these items, and so we're seeing them more and more often,
1: right? Right. Well, I mean, looking back at the numbers, you know, here we have 700 and, what was it, 724,000 people in Canada with dementia. We know that music can have a powerful effect for those people with dementia, and here's a simple music player that's totally appropriate to people with dementia. Mm -hmm. You'd think we'd have a surefire winner there. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, Don't get me started.
0: Well, what <laughs> what's what's shocking to me is that there there this really seems to be the only player like this out there. I haven't it come is. across any other.
1: So yeah, yeah, and, and that that in itself is fairly remarkable. Yeah. So, um, you know, I and again, I have to go back to my own experience with uh, with music because we did try and and get my dad um, uh, music in his room when he was when he was in the care home. So we went out and we got him a radio. Mm-hmm. Well, we would come back for a visit and that radio was always off the station you know because he'd been fiddling with knobs and you know he he would you know fiddle with the volume and and the care workers would come in and they'd be upset because the volume was too high and they'd turn it down and or turn it off Um, so he was in a in a constant state of in between with the music he never had it playing. Um, you know, there were only rare instances where we would come in and there would actually be music playing in his room. And for the most part, it just sat there and it didn't get used. Uh, you know, we tried, uh, cassette tapes cause he'd been familiar with those. We tried, uh, CDs, um, that didn't work. Um, you know, I wish that we'd had this simple music player when we were going through that cause it would have been, it would have been a perfect solution. We could have loaded on a whole bunch of Lawrence Welk for him and he would have been just in uh, seventh heaven yeah and the really nice
2: thing with the music player too is that i've actually had people request um, or ask if they can put their audiobooks onto the music player and if your audiobooks are in mp3 format yes you can and it plays the file sequentially so it's an audiobook player that is simple to use as well cool yeah very very slick
0: and well so in, in speaking of up and coming at4 Specifically for seniors, but I think that, that a lot of this, a lot of it could, could be applied to dementia sufferers as well. There's some really active developing going on in terms of um, turning smartwatches into uh, AT devices. I think Rob has a thing for smartwatches. You know, I don't. I, thing. Thing. I don't. I would never, I would <laughs> don't want a smartwatch. I don't ever want to own a smartwatch.
2: Uh, That's true. They do have use cases where they're very, very, they could be very appropriate.
0: Well, especially just in terms of if you think about seniors wandering off, uh, what better way to be able to track them if, you know, they had a, a smartwatch with GPS built into it, right? I think you need to implant a chip.
1: Yeah, we had this discussion earlier. I'm not sure. Do it with our pets? Do we not love our family better? But it's we longer. don't, we don't, we don't. Implant our pets with GPS chips. No, but we, we implant them with with little RFID chips that will right. has encoded information on them. But in order to use that information, you've got to scan them with a specialized scanner. Right. So that's really not useful for locating your but, but, but family member who's gone just, wandering just off. Just shoot Grandpa with uh, <laughs> one of those tracking darts. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> like they, like they do with the whales you know just that's right anchor it to his uh, to his spine so that uh, he <laughs> can't take go. it out yeah we track whales why can't we track our parents fair enough he's got us there how i about, guess how, how about how about with, with, with a smartwatch yeah. with a
2: smartwatch
1: yeah. there you go yeah, <laughs> yeah that, <laughs> <laughs> and we, and we come full circle <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're also talking about things like um, having what's that, what's the what's the thing that you have with fitbits fit What's for that? tracking fitness and stuff. That's right. Yeah. yeah Fitbit. So it has like it, it has stuff like that built into the application and the smartwatch as well. So that there's there's a variety of things you could track. Um, not just location, but you could track, you know, what their blood pressure is doing, what their heart rate's going. Like there's all kinds of things that um, you know, ter- being able to turn the stove off with a gesture from yeah, or being able to to turn the lights
2: on and off with a gesture. And the really cool thing is, like, even with the Amazon Echo Alexa, they've started including some home automation stuff in there too. So you can get some compatible modules, and you can say, you know, Echo lights on, Echo lights off, and the, any, that anybody can use.
1: But do you do you really think that um, things like voice recognition technology, smart watches, smart appliances, that these are things that are appropriate to people with dementia? I mean, I can see these as being appropriate to people who've lost physical ability, you know, might not be able to hit a light switch or or turn a knob, but but for people with dementia, um, I would think you would want far simpler solutions than these.
0: Uh, I think so. I, I think the gesture stuff is certainly, I think you're certainly right. I think really what would be useful for people with dementia would be the, the tracking, right? Like the, the GPS aspect right. of it. Um, with, with, so that way, if someone does wander off, you know, you, you can track them. Yeah. But the, 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 gesture stuff, you're, you're absolutely right. It's more people who are infirm or who can't get around as well.
2: Um, you know, so we need like one of those electronic, um, what are they call The electronic collars they put on criminals. So we, police can track them. Yeah. There you go. Electronic bracelets or the, whatever. Yeah, or the, 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 the ankle bracelets. Ankle bracelets, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that way they can't get it off either because mm-hmm. you don't want them them getting it off. Ryan, Ryan Fleury hates old people.
1: <laughs> that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're learning. He, he treats them like criminals. <laughs> um... You know, we we were talking about the simple music player that was uh, that's developed by uh, E2L, a uh, company in in England. Um, E2L also makes another product uh, for uh, elder care, uh, which is the uh, the Bliss. Um, uh, what would you call it, Brian? Uh, it's a t- it's a light. It's a it's a, a lit platform. Um, I'm trying to remember, it's about, what is it, two feet by two feet? Or, uh, yeah, it's about there, yeah. Yeah, it, maybe it's it, not, it would fit maybe on not a quite that stand, big, but yeah. It's, yeah, it's designed to fit on a nightstand, night and it's a, it's a very even lit surface. Um, one of the problems that uh, elders have in care is they're waking up, um, often to environmental noise around them, unfamiliar sounds, and um, it can cause a lot of uh, concern and panic um so this uh this tabletop light um can be set to just a, a set uh you know low dim light uh so when they wake up it, it for starters, it's not going to interfere with their sleep because it's dim. Um, but when they wake up, there's enough light that they can see what's going on around them. And it acts as backlighting against anything that is sitting on their side table as well. So if they want to, you know, reach over and grab a glass of water or something, they can they can see it clearly. They can see that not one, that it's there. And then they can also see it to pick it up. Um, really simple adaptation, um, but one that um, can be quite useful uh, when you're dealing with uh, with elders who are in care,
0: yeah, and that's the nice thing about this. like more and more we're finding that they're developing products that that are simple in design and simple in implica- uh, in uh, implementation, but incredibly valuable.
1: Yeah, and that's the Bliss B L Y S.
2: Yeah, I actually took a look at these. I actually might I might, I might get one. It's pretty slick. and Anybody could use it because, like Steve says, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night, you want to find your glasses. You know, you try to reach for the lamp, you hit the lamp and knock it off your nightstand, knock over your glass of water. You know, with something like this, you don't have to worry about that. You've got that low glow. That's right. It's I, it's really good mood lighting. Yeah. yeah. Put, put that in a little bit of
1: berry White <laughs> on. <and> <laughs> 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 well, I can't tell you how many times I have had the phone ring uh, either first thing in the morning or, or late at night. And I've got a cordless phone beside my bed. And every <laughs> single time when I'm reaching for the thing, I knock it behind the nightstand. <laughs> I do it every damn time. I don't know why I haven't glued that thing down yet. I should have glued the thing down. Yeah. But uh, yeah, maybe if I could see it, I uh, I would stand a better chance of actually not knocking it behind the nightstand. No, you'd still knock it behind the nightstand. Probably. Just <laughs> tradition.
0: <laughs> but uh, going back to the smartwatch idea, the, the article that we pulled this from um, is there's a company called Remo... That's uh, a developer, and they are, you know, they're they're taking the smartwatch idea and they're implementing it um, with, a, I guess, a tablet and a bunch of smart devices, so s- smart appliances, and they've sort of tied all these together, and they're um, they're doing a pilot project in, in a home down in uh, where is it Ohio? Yeah, Ohio. And I don't know, like it, it, that's interesting. Like it'll be interesting to see how the pilot program goes and just how well they find it works. Because, um, you know, like I said, it, it could really uh, change the way that care homes uh, are operating. Cool. Yeah, it'll be no, it'll
2: be interesting to see how it turns out. Uh, I, I'm well again. Uh, something with the smartwatch again. It would be really nice if they included, you know, some universal design. and come up with some sort of standard so that everybody's is the same you're not having to learn three or four different types of smart watches
0: well i think that this certainly this certainly has a lot of um, implications in terms of the general market as well uh i mean all this stuff you know turning your your stove off and on with a gesture or turning the lights on and off with a gesture it's all stuff that would that would appeal universally as well right it's not just something that could benefit a
1: right. a care home um. uh, Another article I found on, uh, on dementia, this is from, uh, I believe it's the uh, Daily Mail Online, uh, another uh, British um, uh, paper. Um, a team in Belgium uh, were able to repair diseased brain cells taken from patients with a common form of uh, dementia, for which there currently is no cure. Um, they identified a gene variant that prevents neurons from forming properly and managed to correct it through genetic engineering. Almost sounds like stem cell type research. Uh, it is. It is. Uh, the the uh, Belgian researchers recreated dementia in a laboratory dish using human iPSCs, induced pluripotent stem cells, to help identify a potential new treatment strategy. Um so the technique involves taking skin cells from patients and reprogramming them into um, into stem cells, and uh, and then I guess they they uh, modify them and uh, fire them back into the person, and uh, can actually help correct this uh, this this damage. But this was for a specific. I'm trying to find the uh, the type of dementia. This this was for a very specific. Oh, here it is. Um, this was for a type of dementia called frontotemporal dementia, which accounts for about half of the cases diagnosed in patients before the age of sixty. So this is this is actually a type of dementia that hits people at a at a younger stage in life. Yikes. I didn't even realize there was a, a form
0: of dementia that that hit you before. You've
1: worked with me all this time and you're only <laughs> figuring
0: that
2: out now? <laughs> yeah it's really amazing you know it blows my mind anyway that you know they can take a skin cell reprogram it to do something specific Uh, to
1: me that's just amazing yeah absolutely crazy times we live in crazy times i'm
0: I'm still amazed by fax machines i still don't understand how fax machines (laughs) work that seems magic to me little elves inside that are
1: you know you you don't speak fax. no
0: sounds very modemy yeah
1: you know, that's exactly how it works <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's a modem sending paper
0: any any uh, any other thoughts about dementia it's gotta suck
1: i'm not looking forward to it yeah i might either well you know it can it really can suck um on the flip side sometimes it doesn't you know uh, again going back to personal experience here uh, my dad, we had to put him in a home because uh, he was experiencing dementia and we couldn't take care of him at home anymore. And um, his only real experience, his only real world experience with um, having people who, you know, brought him food and, and uh, you know, took care of him all the time was uh, cruise ships. He, uh, he used to repair elevators. And he would get these jobs uh, to repair elevators on cruise ships that were leaving out of Vancouver. So he would be on the boat for however long that boat was on its on its trip, uh, working on the elevators. And, you know, he'd have access to the buffet and he'd have his own room and, and all of this stuff. And as a result of his dementia and his life experience, he somehow managed to convince himself that his care home was a cruise ship. Yeah. Um, so he's he spent his last days in that home quite quite comfortable on a cruise, and he was always very surprised when we showed up for a visit because he couldn't understand how we got on the boat, <laughs> uh, and we would we would explain how oh, you know we just we just flew in, yeah. whatever whatever kept him comfortable, but um, you know dementia, you know sometimes can be unkind, and uh, you often will hear stories of people who are you know very disoriented and, and upset and and um, you know don't don't enjoy it at all but uh, in my dad's case um, he he uh, ended his life on one long cruise
2: yeah and I think the same goes from my father-in-law you know when he was later on in his years before he passed away he kept thinking he was back in the bank where he spent 40 years and it was a happy place for him you know so it was harder on the family than it was for him um, so yeah it is interesting in that in that regard. If I'm in a home and I think that
1: I'm here at Aroga, just
0: just shoot me. <laughs> just, shoot, just shoot, Ryan, Is that you?
1: <laughs> no, knowing you, Rob, you are going to be in a home thinking that you're playing video games. <laughs> I'll, I'll believe I'm in Azeroth. That's right. Are you an orc? I just, <laughs> I just, I just hope you don't think that it's Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Even
0: better. He keeps asking for his Glock. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, um, should we, Brian, do you want to, do, should we tease what we, we we're trying to line up for next week or
2: you want to save it? I think we can say that we have, I think a very special guest who's going to be with us on the show next week. And I don't think we need to say any more. Okay. Well, we're going to be very secretive. We are teaser.
1: And it's not Donald Trump, Steve or Hillary Clinton. That's Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm good with neither of them being on the show. <laughs> now, if we could get one of them on the show, that would be our best show ever.
0: I suspect it would. Yeah. I, su- I suspect it would. And it too, it's actually too bad because they would have, both of them maybe might've fit into
1: today's topic. Yeah. Hey, can we do a shout out to some of our listeners? Because you were looking at some of the statistics of where our listenership was coming from. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. And uh, I think, is it New Jersey we have to do a shout out to? St- Staten Island. Staten Island. Staten Island. Hey, all you people on Staten Island who have you listened to up. our podcast... We don't know how you found out about it. We don't know who you are, but... Tell your friends. Yeah. God love you for listening. You are our number one demographic, apparently. Absolutely. And
0: we've got some, we got some uh, heat down in uh, South Africa as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, South Africa.
0: And you must have told some of your... Dave, have you told your, your relatives about Because I noticed that we had some, some people from Dublin, Ireland.
1: Well, my relatives are, are in the north, just, uh, just south of Belfast. But uh, um, there are... A well, there's one fella on my Facebook feed uh, who I did Space Camp with. Hi, Ronan, if you're listening, um, maybe he spread the word, or perhaps listened to it. Maybe,
0: maybe. But uh, you know, hey, by all means, if you're if you're listening from another country, drop us a line.
1: Yeah, we haven't had any fan mail, have we? Not not recently.
0: Uh well, we've we still have a few. We've we've good old Hugh, Hugh and yeah. Allie. Yeah,
1: yeah. You, you know, we, we we need more fan mail. This is how we uh, this is how we validate our, ourselves and uh, maintain self-esteem. So please uh, drop us an email at
2: please, please, please drop us an email. Here at.
1: I, I'm no, no, I'm not doing
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> you go right ahead. All right. So drop us an email at.
1: A- T- <laughs> See, this is this is an ongoing problem oh for us. A- <laughs> is it atbanter at gmail.com? No. No, it's not atbanter no, at gmail.com. I'm going to get it changed. It's atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. There we go.
0: Yeah. Uh, that being said, we also have a website, which is www.atbanter.com.
1: Yeah. And, of course, you can visit the uh our uh, parent company website www.aroga.com. That's A R O G A. You can also find us on
2: Facebook and Twitter. Indeedy.
0: Well, then, then let's call it a day. It's a day. It's a day. It's time you can go home? Not yet. Damn
1: it! I don't know. know what time is it. Four thirty. <laughs> 213, close enough.
2: <laughs> Play the game, Rob. Play the game. <laughs> That's right.
0: All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening in, and we will see you next week.
2: You betcha. Bye.
1: Closing off, you are Rob Minult. I am Rob Minult. I am Steve Barclay. And I am Ryan Flurry. I think did did we just screw
0: up our own names? I'm pretty sure I just screwed up my own name. Really? I think so. Can I play it, it back? You, you sounded like Rob yeah No, I think I screwed it what? You, And you, you sounded like you said Steve Barkley.
1: <laughs> <Barclay>. Barkley? <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying my own name my entire life. I think I can manage that much. I don't know. I sounded like that in my headphones. Even when he's drunk, you can say Steve Barkley. <laughs> well, we don't know that. <laughs> Prove it. <laughs> All we know is he falls down.
0: lot.
2: <laughs> well, that's a little personal.
0: All right. Good night, everybody.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This podcast has been brought to you by Aroga Technologies. Visit Aroga Technologies online at www.aroga.com. That's A-R-O-G-A dot com. Music provided by bensound.com.